morning, friends. Welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. The Bible Project Podcast, well, it's a project to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I'm so delighted that you've decided to join with us today on this journey. And I'd just like to give you a quick reminder that if you'd like to access a transcript of what I've said, and there are also ways to to connect with other teaching resources that I make available. The links to all those things are found in any audio version of the podcast. It's hosted on buzzsprout.com. It doesn't matter. You should find that link in the episode notes from wherever you're getting your podcasts from. Anyway, we'll launch off now and we'll close off chapter 43 and I'll see you at the end. Bye for now. Hi friends, here we are. We're going to continue in our study today and we're in this second of two studies looking at Genesis chapter 43, the second journey of the brothers back into Egypt of Joseph brothers and I've called this overview of chapter 43 the path of reconciliation. So we've seen the first of these conversations that are recorded in this chapter. There's going to be three conversations and the next one is recorded for us beginning in verse 16 and we'll just launch off and look at what's said. It tells us when Joseph saw Benjamin with them he said to the steward of his house take these men to my house slaughter an animal and prepare a meal they are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and he took the men to Joseph's house. Okay so what's going on here? There's something which is immediately obvious as you read these verses, and it is important. Look at how they open. It says, Joseph saw Benjamin. So this is tipping us off to the fact that Joseph has now seen Benjamin in the flesh, which is kind of what he always wanted. Most commentators suggest that Joseph wanted to see Benjamin in the the flesh for two reasons. A, to make sure he was still alive, and B, that he was okay, that they'd not harmed him. This was particularly important to him because of the fact that Benjamin had stuck up for him when they tried to sell him into slavery. But there's another reason why it's important to him, which I'll explain in a few minutes. But before I do that, can I just say that Benjamin, that he saw Benjamin, Joseph sees Benjamin, and then he turns to the steward and says, take them all to my house so that we can sit down and eat together. The narrative continues in verse 18. Now the men were frightened, that means Joseph's brothers were frightened, when they were taken to the house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put back in our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us, seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. Remember, this is about the money that turned out to be still in their saddlebags. The money that was supposed to have been used and handed over for the purchase of the first lot of grain. So they're thinking, oh boy, we're in trouble now. They were still afraid about this money because they thought this was all just a plan to get them to the house together where he would then reveal the money to them as still being in the sacks and present his case against them and that they would then be taken into slavery. So again, it tells us they were frightened. Picking up in verse 19. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. 
We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here for the first time to buy food, but at the place where we stopped for the night, this is on the return journey, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of the sack. So we brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put the silver in our sacks. So what they're doing here is they're bringing complete clarity to the situation as they see it and they're assuming responsibility in the sense that they feel it is their responsibility to try and deal with the situation and deal with it up front. They're confessing to the facts but at the same time saying look we didn't take this money deliberately we don't know how it ended up back in our sacks but somehow it ended up with us again so we've brought it back to you and by doing this up front, they're trying to deal with it and prevent, of course, any conflict and any possible trial and imprisonment. This is the steward speaking in reply. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you the treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house and gave them water to wash their feet and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that that was where they were going to eat. So the steward says to them, don't be afraid. I know all about this. You're okay. We got our money. Maybe God replaced yours. Then he brings Simeon out to them, which was the promise of the original arrangement. So the man brings the brothers and they bring them into Joseph's house and they give them water and it tells us that they wash their feet and they also give the donkeys fodder, food. Then he made ready for Joseph's arrival who he knew was arriving at noon. So the steward knew about the plan for them all coming together to eat at noon. So what is going on here, particularly telling us about the washing of the feet, is that they're being treated like honoured guests. This is indicated by the fact they wash their feet. In fact, that was a sign of great honour and dignity. Furthermore, it says they're going to eat with Joseph at noon. So this wasn't going to be a lunch like we have today. You see, for Egyptians, the noonday meal was the main meal of the day. It was literally a banquet. So they're not just gathering together to have a snack and a sandwich. They're going to sit down together in fellowship and have the main banquet meal of the day. Now that takes us through the second part of this story and the second conversation where they've had this encounter and this conversation with the steward. But the significant part of that is that they went to the steward and immediately said up front, here's the money that we found, the original money. We didn't take it, we're bringing it back. Again, I want to suggest that this points to the fact that they're acting honestly and responsibly in dealing with the steward and by nature Joseph. But it means that they had to confess to the exact truth of the situation and the fact that they've ended up with this money. Now this is super important because they have taken the opportunity and they are seen to be handling the situation and themselves honestly and responsibly. And now we arrive at the third part of this story, the third phase, the third conversation, so to speak. 
and this is going to all happen at last face to face with Joseph himself. So we pick it up in verse 26 where it tells us, When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant our father is still alive and well, and they bowed down prostrating themselves before him. This bowing down is an act of great respect and honour, the idea of bowing down then, as it still is today, is seen as an act of subservient to another person, but it also is usually or should only be done as a way of demonstrating honour and respect. But from our point of view, importantly from the prophetic point of view, this is the fulfilment of Joseph's childhood dreams. Do you remember those dreams some chapters back? The dream that Joseph had told his brothers that they would bow down before him and those same brothers who were jealous of him then sold him into slavery. But now we literally see this dream fulfilled before our eyes. And then Joseph asks, how is your father? Is he still alive? Now he's referring to them as your father, not our father. And that tells us he's still not indicating to them yet that he's their brother or that Jacob is his father. He just asks about his general well-being. And in verse 29 it says, As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's sons, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Now, he remember Benjamin? He's described here as his own mother's son. And that's significant. It's significant because we know from previous chapters that Joseph had four wives and he had children by each of them. And he had children by one wife in particular and they were called Joseph and Benjamin. So Joseph and Benjamin were brothers who had the same mother and all the other brothers were half-brothers. And that's why, or one of the reasons why, he's also interested in Benjamin. This is his blood brother, so to speak. They all twelve have the same father, but Joseph and Benjamin have the same father and mother. So the text finally reveals what's going on. It draws attention to that by saying he saw his brother Benjamin and he says to his other brothers, is this the youngest brother who you spoke about? And they say, yes. And he says, God be gracious to my, you, my son. But then the text tells us, deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out to look for a place to weep. He went into a private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out, controlling himself, and said, Serve the food. Now, I pointed out in the last chapter that Joseph had grown into a man, but he'd kept a tender heart. And seeing his brother, the brother that he hadn't seen for more than 20 years, at this point actually causes him to break down and cry. In fact, he has to go off into a side room to try and hide his true emotions and gather himself before returning to his brothers. He weeps, he gathers himself, he washes himself to sort of restore his decorum, if you like, restrain himself, and then he comes out again and he says to them, let's eat. 
And the text tells us, They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and by the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians would not eat with Hebrews, for this is detestable to Egyptians. Now it's a little complicated. All it's saying is that they separated from each other. The Egyptians at over here, Joseph at over there, and the Hebrews are somewhere else by themselves. And it says that they did that because Egyptians and Hebrews did not eat together. In fact, it says the Egyptians would have found that detestable. Now, we can't be absolutely sure why this is true, except that one commentary I read said the fact that it told us they served the foreigners some kind of animal meat, alongside the fact that Egyptians at that time did not eat meat, it means that that could have been part of this and what's been got at here. Another part of this was that there would have been certain rituals before eating that the Canaanites wouldn't have participated in. So that also may be a factor. But at any rate, it clearly tells us they ate separately from one another. Anyway, the plot thickens. The men who had been seated before him, so he's talking about the brothers seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they look at each other in astonishment. So what Joseph is doing here is in arranging them in order of birth. And they're immediately looking around and saying, how has he known that? How has he done that? They're looking at the way they've been positioned and think, hold on, what's going on here? You know, the mathematical possibilities of arranging 11 brothers or 11 people in order of their birth is astronomical, the fact that you're doing that by chance. In fact, I read some ingenious commentator figured it out that the odds were about 40 million to one. They just randomly laid people out and they'd appeared in that order. Now, I don't know how he calculated it. I tried to calculate it and it seemed to come out to an even larger figure than me. But I think the point being made here is that something extraordinary is going on here. This is the first clue that something beyond the normal is happening and their brothers are looking at themselves and thinking, oh wow, what's going on here? Maybe this is the beginning of them beginning to feel, instead of fear, they're beginning to feel astonishment. When the portions are served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anybody else. So they feasted and drank freely with him. So what's going on? To give someone twice as much food, which was a thing at that time, it was called a double portion, was to honour that particular person. But Joseph orders it, makes clear that Benjamin is then served with five times as much. So there's really been some sort of signal sending here. The brothers are all probably looking at each other and thinking, wow, he's really honouring Benjamin. What is going on here? Why is he doing that? Now, I think part way, and some commentators suggest this, and I think correctly, that he's doing this to test his brothers. If you think back, what was the original problem between the brothers and him? Do you remember? It was sibling rivalry. Their original problem with Joseph was jealousy, envy, right? So maybe he's going to test them to see if they're still jealous, if there's any jealousy this time between them and Benjamin. Let's really exalt Benjamin before them and see how they handle this situation. But the last verse tells us that they feasted 
and they drank happily. And it seems to me that they have proved that they are trustworthy. They have proved that they no longer are jealous, that they are reliable, and that they and also they've already proved they've told the truth. And by their actions, they've proven that they've gotten over their jealousy problem. Okay, let's try and sum this up on what's going on in this chapter. We've got to the end, haven't we? And we haven't seen a reconciliation yet. That's coming in due course. It's going to be a long journey to reconciliation. It often is a long journey to reconciliation. And this is part of this family's journey. However, I do think we can pause at this point and say there are several things that we too can learn if we also want to walk the path of reconciliation. Firstly, it tells me that we need to be honest. We need to look at the facts. We don't need to duck them. We need to assume any personal responsibility. Where appropriate, we need to take responsibility for our actions in the past if we have been in the wrong and demonstrate that we've learned from our mistakes and that they're no longer part of our lives and will no longer be part of that relationship ongoing in the future. And that is, I believe, what Joseph's brothers have done or have been enabled to do. They've demonstrated that they've learned from their mistakes and they've demonstrated that they're a reliable, unified family. They're clearly showing they're not going to fall into the trap of being jealous of their brother again. But putting it this way, you could also say, what was their other alternative? Their other alternative, as we face the same choices, we can not look at the situation realistically. What good will that do? What good would it have done them or would it do us today? It's amazing to me how many people choose to continue to live in denial, to live in a false world rather than deal with a situation. It happens all the times. We've got to look at the reality and be sensitive to people and try and see things from their point of view. These brothers could have started blame shifting all over the place instead of dealing with the reality of the situation. They could have just been belligerent and said, either not disclosed the money or said, we didn't take it back, it's not our fault. But if you're going to be reconciled, you've got to look at a situation realistically and assume personal responsibility to step up and try and sort it out, which is exactly what they've been seen to do in this chapter. And the other important thing is that you should make sure that you should remain calm, don't get angry, bitter, show envy or jealousy, or hold on to things from the past. Because if you try and hold on to those things of the past, that is the door by which you let jealousy and envy back in again. The best thing to do, the best thing you can say is, you know what, I can see what's happened in the past, I've learned from my mistakes, Let's try and reconcile and be civil to one another. And that's what they did. That's what seemed to happen here. In fact, they sit down to have a meal. One commentator I read looking at this passage said, Joseph's brothers were realistic in assessing the situation in Egypt, responsible in their response to Joseph, and wise in dealing with the money that they found in their sacks. But most importantly, they had demonstrated the right feeling towards their brother, Benjamin, and Joseph, in his part, had remained tender-hearted towards them. 
You know, those of us who would wish to participate in God's plan for us to be peacemakers must always take responsibility for our actions, make restitution if we're culpable, and accept the lot graciously if other people seem to be favoured, try and do that without jealousy. So my prayer is today that by looking at this passage that you can see and be thankful for these insights that can be applied into your family or personal situation. In fact, any situation where there needs to be reconciliation. I pray that we can take it on board and that we can be responsive and at the same time tender-hearted to those whom we have a need to reconcile with. And that's it for today. So, friends, we will continue uh, our journey through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, by launching off into a new couple of days studying the next chapter of Genesis. I'd like to remind you that in the episode notes there are various ways that you can connect and uh, participate in this ministry and access further teaching materials that I make available on various platforms. I am so, so glad that you have decided to join with us together on this journey through the entire Bible. I pray that you are being blessed by it half as much as I am blessed. Now I pray that you might have a double portion of blessing by making the commitment to not just read the Word of God, but to study the Word of God every day. And I particularly like to thank those of you who have committed to pray for me and this ministry that uh, at times uh, that challenging for me to maintain almost 25 minutes of teaching a day. I pray that you will allow God Give me the time, the space, the resources, the good health, the good health of those around me to continue doing this. But anyway, that's it for today. I will see you back here very soon. I trust it'll be tomorrow for me, whatever day it happens to be for you when you open this up on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.